everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Is everyone excited about Christmas? Because you know, no, he wishes it was still Thanksgiving. See, you're now legally allowed to be excited about Christmas because before Thanksgiving, you can't. I don't know if anyone, like, tells you that you can listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. They're wrong. It's, you cannot. Um, I, I pray for the people who listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Adam, you guys know Adam. He works, he's not here today because he's so embarrassed because he listened to Christmas music before Thanksgiving in the office, and it was terrible. It's okay. We prayed for him, and, and it's okay. But now you can officially start getting excited about Christmas because Thanksgiving is over, and the next big thing is Christmas. So, yes, I give you all permission to listen to Christmas music. You are now allowed to. And you're allowed to be excited about Christmas. You're welcome. I know you've been waiting to hear me say that. Yeah, you've been waiting because you listen so well, my life group. Yeah, no, you don't. Um, so I know I'm stoked about Christmas. Who has already given their Christmas list to their parents? Yeah, I see some hands going up. I see some hands. You guys have like, I don't know about you guys. I did this growing up. I would like make like 50 copies of my Christmas list and just hide it all over the house. So no matter what my mom did, she would see it. Like, she couldn't not see it. So she couldn't not know what I wanted. Um, I don't know if you guys do that. It works really well. Just, like, tape it to the inside of, like, cabinet doors and, like, inside the fridge. You know, put some copies in their bed. Eventually, they'll figure out what you want for Christmas, right? Who's asking for a new iPhone this Christmas? Anyone? Yeah, I see a couple hands go up. couple hands. New iPhone. I feel like that's the best Christmas gift you could get. So, I just recently made the switch from Android to iPhone. Um, don't cheer. No, no. I'm, like, really ashamed of myself for turning on, like, my team, Android. I'm all about that. But I made the switch. Um, and I do have to admit, as much as I love PC and Android and all that great stuff, getting that, like, perfect little white box and everything so shiny and smooth, like, that was pretty nice. Um, you feel like you're like unwrapping a spaceship when you're opening up a new iPhone. I mean, you're like, this thing, I think it's like glowing. I hear this kind of like humming noise. That's probably Apple listening to everything I'm doing, but whatever. I try not to think about that. But it was awesome. Everything was so new and it was so perfect and it was so shiny. Um, so I was stoked to have a new iPhone. What I would really love for Christmas, um, which you guys won't quite understand this yet, but you will in a few years, I want a new car. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. You guys will all be driving. I think the youngest of you will be driving in like six years, the oldest in like four. I don't know. I'm terrified for when you're all on the road behind the wheel of a car, but that will happen. And when you guys start driving, you will understand the difference between driving an old car and driving a new car. My best friend just got a new car. It's incredible. I didn't realize, I'll tell you later, I didn't realize how old and how beat up my car was until I was driving in my best friend's new car. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing? Like everything is so shiny and it's clean and like the windows roll down all the way and the doors actually open. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen uh, my car. It's a white pickup truck. Um, I think some of you have like driven in it. Um, but there... <laughs> There's a, a small problem uh, with my car, which I would love to blame on other people, but I can't. It's completely my fault. Um, there's a dent in the side of my passenger door that actually keeps the door from opening super well. So people always think I've locked them in when I haven't. I'm just like, you just have to, like, 
throw yourself against the door to get it open. Um, and the dent was kind of entirely my fault. Uh, so I was at a movie premiere uh, a few years ago for The Hobbit. Any Lord of the Rings Hobbit fans out there? Yeah, there's a few. I see you. I see you. So this was the first Hobbit movie. So I went to the midnight premiere. Um, and so it was after the movie, and it's like 3 a.m. because those movies last a lifetime. Um, so it's like 3 a.m. I am exhausted from having stayed up for I don't know how many hours to see this movie. And I go out into a parking lot that I've never been in before. And my car is like the only car there, right? So I, I shouldn't really have hit anything because it was, I'm the only car. Like, what could I hit? Well, <laughs> that parking lot had light poles. And I happened to run right into one of the light poles. Um, and so there's this great dent in the passenger door of my car that, like I said, makes it really hard to open. And, you know, before that, my car was doing pretty well. But then I sort of messed it up. And it went from being rather newish to not so new. Uh, today, we're going to read a story in the Bible about a guy named Peter who kind of had a similar thing. He went from being newish and doing pretty well to not so new and not doing so well. He got a little bit messed up. Um, so if you guys want to turn with me to the book of Matthew in your Bibles, uh, we're going to start on page 785 in the Blue Bibles, if you grab one of those, 785 in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. And we're going to read about a guy named Peter. So this first little section that we're going to read is when Jesus meets Peter and first says, hey, Peter, like, you should come hang out with me. So we're going to be starting in verse 18 of chapter 4 of the book of Matthew. So Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So these two guys, they're fishing. We're really just going to focus on Peter. And they're fishing for fish, which is what you would expect most fishermen to fish for. Fish, right? It's not surprising. Jesus comes up, and they don't really know Jesus. They've heard his name. He's like a minor celebrity at the time. They've like heard of this guy, but they've never met him. And so this guy, Jesus, comes up and says, hey, you want to go fishing for people? What? We fish for fish. And Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to fish for people, which really just means we're going to go out, and we're going to tell people about the love that God has to offer them. And we're going to share the story of the gospel and hope, all that great stuff. That's what it means when we say fishing for people. So Jesus goes up to these fishermen who have been fishing for fish and says, let's fish for people. Peter's like, yeah, why not? So he does it. And so Jesus goes with, um, so Peter goes with Jesus, and they start this whole, um, like, three-year-long journey all throughout the area, talking to people and sharing them the, um, with them the gospel. And it's great. Um, but Peter wasn't perfect. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew when he went up to him and said, hey, let's go fish for people. He knew that Peter, the guy he was asking, wasn't perfect. He knew that going into it because Jesus knows everything. But Jesus wanted Peter anyways. He knew Peter was a little rough around the edges. He knew that Peter was going to mess up, but he still wanted him. Uh, the crazy thing about this story, though, is that Jesus actually predicts in the Bible the mistake that Peter is going to make. It's actually a conversation they have. After years of being friends, Jesus tells Peter, dude, you're going to mess up. This is what you're going to do. So that's what we're going to read next. If you guys want to turn, same book, Matthew, chapter 26. We're going to be on page 808. So it's chapter 26 of Matthew. Page 808 is where we're going to be. Um, we're going to start in verse 34. 
So this is Jesus telling Peter about what he's going to do. That's the not-so-perfect part of Peter. So it's verse 34 of chapter 26. Jesus talking to Peter says, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Ouch. You're going to disown me three times. That's what Jesus tells Peter. And we started off in uh, chapter 4, and now we're in chapter 26. And uh, through this time, there's been like three years have passed. Um, And so Peter and Jesus are really good friends now. Peter doesn't have any reason to disown Jesus. He's one of his best friends. But he does. And Jesus tells him, tonight, before the rooster crows, before the night's over, before morning comes, you will have disowned me three times. Three times. Not just once, not like an accident, but on purpose, three times you're going to disown me. And of course Peter denies it. Of course Peter says, Jesus, you're one of my best friends. I love you. Why would I ever do that? But we know that Jesus is God. We know that Jesus knows everything. And so when Jesus says, you're going to do this, well, tough luck, Peter. It means you're going to do it. So we find out a few verses later, sure enough, Peter made the very mistake that Jesus said he would. So we're going to read about that. Um, Same chapter, Matthew 26, but picking up in verse 69. Now Peter was sitting in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him, and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again, with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he, Peter, began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know that man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken, that before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. See, Peter didn't just kind of say, oh, you know, Jesus, maybe I've heard him, maybe I didn't. By the last time he was accused of knowing Jesus, Peter got so mad at even the thought of knowing Jesus that he started yelling and cursing. Like he was saying all those words that he saw written on the bathroom stalls, like all those really bad words. Peter started shouting those at the people who said that he just sounded like Jesus. Like they had a good reason to think he knew him. He had the same accent. So he must have been from the same place. So odds are he knew Jesus. Just bringing up the idea that he might even sound like Jesus made Peter so angry, he started cursing this guy, these guys out. Like, that's bad. Peter messed up. And then the rooster crows, which is what Jesus said, you're going to do all this before morning even comes. Before the rooster even crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter hears the rooster crow. Dang it. He knows. He knows right away. In that moment, he's just like, you got to be kidding me. Jesus was right. I did deny him. I did mess up. No one had to tell Peter. He heard the rooster crow. He remembered what Jesus said. He knew right away. And the Bible says he just started weeping. He just fell apart because he just disowned his best friend. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of understand where Peter's coming from a little bit on this. Uh, I wish it wasn't true, but I've messed up like this before. 
when I was your guys' age, um, in junior high and even through high school, I had my own ways of uh, disowning God. I had my own ways of pretending like I didn't know him or acting like I wasn't his friend. See, everyone that I went to church or went to school with knew that I went to church, but I didn't always act like it at school. Um, I never really had the opportunity to say to someone, I don't know Jesus, because no one ever asked me directly, but there are lots of ways that you could disown God. There are lots of ways that you could pretend like he doesn't exist and pretend like you don't know him. And I definitely found a lot of those ways when I was your guys' age. Uh, one of the biggest things for me was all throughout junior high and high school, I always put school before God. And I know that's really, really easy to do because school is important. None of us here are going to tell you that it's not. But we're never going to tell you that school is more important than God because it's not. At the end of the day, what matters is your relationship with Christ. But I did not live that out when I was your guys' age. I remember going to school so many times and being so stressed about homework and so stressed about a project. And all I could do was talk about how worried I was and how anxious I was. And that is not showing the hope that we have through Jesus. Jesus tells us that we could do anything through the strength he gives us, but I never lived that out. I would hear it on Sunday or Wednesday night when I was at church, but then I would go to school and my friends would be nervous and my friends would be stressed and I had the chance to offer them that strength and that hope, but I didn't. I denied Christ by saying that no, the worries of school, the stresses of life are bigger than God. And that was my own way of disowning God and pretending like I didn't know him and pretending like he was a stranger. I messed up. I did that a lot when I was your guys' age. And it wasn't just with schoolwork. I would talk bad about my teachers with my friends. And Jesus commands us to love each other. And that's definitely not loving. And I would spend a lot of time talking bad about teachers, talking bad about other students, other friends. And that's a whole other way that I disowned God. Another way I said, you know what? I know you're telling me to love others. And I know it here, but I don't know it here. And I would pretend like I, I didn't know that I was supposed to do that by talking bad about friends, talking bad about teachers, getting stressed about school. I just ignored everything that I knew God wanted for me. And so I feel like Peter in this situation. I messed up. I knew God. I know God. And I love him. And I love what Jesus has done for me. But in those times, and I still do it, I mess up. And I disown him. And I pretend like I don't know who he is. And I'm not a good example of a friend and a follower of Christ. But there is a silver lining. There is good news for Peter and for me. And if any of you guys feel like you've done that before, there's good news for you too. Because the, the story doesn't just stop there. After this happens, you guys have heard the story before. Um, Jesus was killed on the cross, but then he rose again for th after three days. And after that, his disciples were able to talk to him again. So there was this whole period of time where Peter disowned God, disowned Jesus, and then Jesus died. And so for three days, Peter is just left there thinking, oh my gosh, the last thing I ever did for Jesus while he was alive was disown him. But then after three days, the miracle of Christ coming back to life happens, and Peter gets a chance to talk to Jesus again. I can't even imagine how nervous Peter must have been to go up to Jesus and be like, Hey, so you know how you said I was going to completely disown you? Yeah, I totally did that right before you died. Sorry. That had to be like the worst conversation for Peter going into that. 
but it turned into one of the best conversations he ever had with Jesus. So as you guys probably know, the four books in the New Testament, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell the same story of Jesus. So we read the first part of this story in Matthew, and the last part of it, the part that really tells this conversation, this final conversation between Peter and Jesus the best, is found in the book of John. So I'm actually going to tell you what it says in John 21, because it's the best version of this conversation you're going to find in the Bible. So Jesus and Peter are talking, and Peter's going into it with this huge guilt of, oh my gosh, I disowned you, Jesus. I disowned my best friend. He, that's how he's going into this conversation. But Jesus is going into it completely different. Jesus is going into it with forgiveness. And when Jesus talks to Peter, after Peter has messed up, after Peter has done this thing that he just feels he can't come back from, Jesus goes into this conversation with so much love and forgiveness, and he gives Peter a second chance. Jesus asked Peter three times, it says in John 21, three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, of course, Lord, I love you. Well, Peter, if you love me, then follow me. He gives him a second chance. Peter started off kind of newish, you know, when he first started following Jesus back in chapter 4. But then he got messed up, you know. He, he got a dent in the door. He, he broke. He got messed up. But Jesus, through his forgiveness and through offering a second chance, he makes Peter new again. He gives him the ability to start afresh and to start new. And Peter takes that second chance. We have that opportunity as well. All we have to do is take it. Jesus offers us forgiveness. Every time we mess up, every time we deny Jesus in our own way, Jesus is there with loving open arms saying, I give you a second chance. I know you love me. I know you're not perfect. I knew you weren't perfect when I asked you to sign on for this in the first place. I knew you were going to mess up. Jesus can predict all of our mistakes just like he predicted Peter's, which is terrifying to think about. But at the same time, it makes his love that much more powerful because God knows every mess up we're ever going to do and he's still waiting there with open arms saying, look, do you love me? If the answer is yes, then just come on back. Come on back. I'm not going to kick you out for one mistake. I'm not going to kick you out for a hundred mistakes. I'm not going to kick you out for a million mistakes, which is good because that's probably where I'm at, somewhere in the millions. But God says, I'm never kicking you out for any of it. If you love me, there is always a place for you to come back. God offers that second chance to Peter. He offered it to me, offers it to me all the time, and he offers it to you. I don't know if you guys feel like there's a mistake or a mess up you've made that you're like, I just can't come back from this. Like, I don't think Jesus would want to have that conversation with me after this. Even if I said I loved him, even if I do love him, I don't think it's enough. What we do will never be enough, but what Jesus did is, and his forgiveness is always going to be enough for any of the mess-ups, any of the mistakes we made. Because everything flips in your life when you know that you've been made new by Jesus. Everything flipped in Peter's life. He went on to become one of the founding members of the Christian church as we know it today. The only way that I could even read this story to you from a Bible is because Peter turned his life around. Peter decided to not be the guy who denied Jesus for the rest of his life. Peter decided to be the guy who said, I love you, Jesus, for the rest of his life. And he went on 
to work hard to allow the Christian church to grow. And that's why we're meeting like this now. That's why I could read this Bible and tell you this story. Because Peter allowed his life to be flipped by Jesus. Because everything flips when you know that you're made new. That's what Jesus has to offer you today. That's what he's been offering for thousands of years and what he will keep offering for thousands of years. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you that second chance. He wants you to know that you can be made new if you just ask and accept the forgiveness he offers. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, and then we're going to go into breakout groups. Guys outside, girls inside. Um, and we're just going to talk about what that looks like. What does that look like to go from a place of, oh, man, I've messed up, to a place of my life is flipped because I'm made new in Jesus? Um, and that could be maybe even a bigger conversation you want to have with a leader in private. All the leaders in here, they care about you, and they want to have that conversation with you if you want to have it. If there's something you feel going on in your life, a big deal that you can't get past, that you really don't think God will give you a second chance for, and you just need to talk it through with someone, pull a leader aside. That's what they're here for, to remind you that there is nothing too big for God to forgive, that your life can be made new. You can be flipped through Jesus' love. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to read your word. I thank you so much for this chance to fellowship and worship together. And God, I am so, so thankful that you give second chances. I know I need them all the time, and I'm going to keep needing them for the rest of my life. I pray that you give everyone here the strength and the courage to ask for those second chances and help them to know, really know, that when you give a second chance, you mean it and it counts and we're made new. Thank you so much for loving us, Lord. Pray that you'd be with us this week and help everything we do to glorify you. In your name, amen. All right, guys, head outside to your breakout groups. Girls, you stay in here. Thanks, dude.